latest season about um, the Holy Spirit and particularly how um, it can be easy for the church to see Holy Spirit as the added extra, like the, um, the kind of little bit of extra spice, <laughs> or the thing that some congregations or some denominations do, but not others. Um, and actually, um, we've really been wanting to focus on the fact that Holy Spirit is, um, is God. And if you leave out the Holy Spirit or or set him aside, um, the teaching on the Holy Spirit and experiencing him, that um, you actually are not experiencing the fullness of what God has for us. And tonight, I really want to kind of bring that home um, by really trying to convince you or argue that um, the Holy Spirit is the only way that we have to translate the kingdom of heaven to the earth. He's the great translator. Um, and so, in that note, on that note, um, James is going to play a little clip from Instagram, which I think you'll find funny. So, let's see. I have the coco vin, please. Sorry, the what? Coco vin. Uh, it's like a, a coque, and it's au vin. Are you trying to say scampi, maybe? Coque au vin. If it's not on the menu, we actually can't do it. No, it's on the menu. Yeah, it's just, um... Oh! You mean Coco Vin? <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> um, do you guys know what Coco Vin is? <laughs> it's a French dish. Chicken and wine is what it means. Um, and in England, and in England, like, um, they have it a lot, but... Um, clearly, some English people have no idea what it is either. <laughs> so um, I wanted to use that little clip just to set the scene for what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, sometimes uh, we completely get lost in translation. And I know that as an immigrant coming to an, a new country, and this happened in England as well as in the United States, we're lucky that we speak the language, but there is a huge amount of culture that just kind of goes you know, above our heads. And it took a really long time to start to learn some of those, um, the things that you just take for granted when you are native to a country. Um, and um, I want to use that word native tonight a few times. And what I mean by it is the original term native means being born somewhere. That word nat natal means born. And so a native of a country is someone who's born there. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean someone who's grown up there. But there's something about being born in a country to people of that country. Um, that you, you absorb um, culture and language uh, as a very small infant um, that is very hard to learn later on. And I want to draw this analogy today because it was something really powerful that struck me about um, how God uses the Holy Spirit to make us what he calls citizens of heaven. And you'll see um, where I go with that as we go along. So when you move to a country where you weren't born and where you haven't kind of been a child and grown up a little, um, 
you can often feel, it takes a long time to really feel at home. And we still, at times, feel that we're not at home. And there's this kind of relief about going back to South Africa where you can, there's little things, even like the way that you use your hands or the way that you speak, people pick things up um, about what you're saying, which they don't hear. And you can kind of just breathe a sigh of relief and be like, oh, okay, I can just talk because everyone will know what I'm talking about. I don't have to try so hard anymore to kind of get it across, you know, or to be careful not to offend or um, to speak clearly. And my husband really has that problem. <laughs> I can tell you that his mother still says to him, Nicholas, you're swallowing your words. I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> so it's not just you guys. His mom can't even understand him. <laughs> So the first thing that people do when they want to move to a new country um, is to learn the language, right? And so the way that you do that is you get an app or whatever, and then if you're really serious, you actually go and take classes. And um, if you're passionate about a country, you might even become a professor in the language of that country, right? Um, I had a French teacher at high school who was Irish. She had never lived in France or being French at all, but she was passionate about France and she taught French the language and she was a brilliant French teacher. But I think that she still felt when she went to France, she wasn't French, she was still a visitor. And even when she lived there later on, she said that it was still difficult, even though she was absolutely fluent in French and she sounded French to us. And um, I think that I definitely have seen this um, when we are in church or when we are trying to live our faith. There's this aspect of, um, you could call it immersive learning, like learning the language, where we want to try and be citizens of heaven, right? And so we think, okay, if I just learn Christian speak, and if I learn the culture of heaven, I'll study my Bible and I'll look at all the Christians around me and I'll go to a church and copy what they do, then I'll become a citizen of heaven. But you're still doing what that French teacher was doing. You're learning it with your brain and you're copying it with your body and you're even trying to be that that culture, maybe playing the game right, you know, but you are not as a born native person from that culture. You can never have that unless you've actually been born and brought up there. It's not really in your blood, right? It takes a lot of effort. Sometimes you might make mistakes. Sometimes you'll feel, well, I don't, just don't quite belong here. And God doesn't call us to be that kind of citizen of heaven. If you think about it, the religions of the world kind of all offer this, well, here's a, um, a teaching, a morality, a code of living. Uh, here is a group of people you can join to do that. Now, we, now all you have to do is learn it and try really hard to live it. That's what world religions teach. God doesn't do that. He gives us those things, yes. But then he says... I will make you my child. He goes further. He's actually made it possible to become a child. What does that really mean? What does it mean to be a Christian in a world where 
uh, kingdom culture, the culture of the kingdom of heaven, is so countercultural to worldly culture. Imagine being a French person in America and trying to teach everyone else to be French, <laughs> but never going to France and never meeting any real French people. <laughs> and it just seems like a really bad plan. <laughs> outsiders trying to look like insiders. And I see this all over the place all the time, outsiders trying to look like insiders. You know, you can play being a Christian as hard as you want. Um, you can pretend, play the game, say the right words. But the world is so countercultural to the kingdom of heaven that you're going to be striving against everything within you that is different, and you'll have nothing in you to change that. It will all be from your own strength, your own brain. You might have lots of talents and gifts that you use, but without the Holy Spirit, you'll see you're just playing a game. You're trying to translate a culture that you don't really know, that you, that you haven't lived. So I want to, I'm going to kind of read a few scriptures through this just to make my point. The first one is from Acts 19, 1 through 7, and it just talks about how um, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes us children of God. He, he's the one that makes us children. So while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the interior and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they answered. We have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Into what then were you baptized, Paul asked. The baptism of John, they replied. Paul explained, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So this is the key scripture which explains how when we are baptized, the baptism of water in a sense is the legal process, the kind of legal papers of adoption. So when God says, I adopt you into my family, the water baptism is signing the forms, right? We are showing in public, this is, you are now uh, officially God's children. But the Holy Spirit comes and that word testifies, he testifies with our spirit, it's talking about bearing witness or giving evidence. And this really um, kicked something off in my mind. You know when you have um, paternity suits, 
um, where you have famous men who die and then all these people say, oh, he was my dad, can I have some of his money, please? <laughs> well, these days, what they do is a DNA test, right? And that proves, it's the, it's the evidence that that person is, or isn't their dad. And so the Holy Spirit, in a sense, is the evidence that we are children of God. Now, what does that mean? And I just look you know, through the scriptures as we go along. It's just the sense that God is saying, the Holy Spirit is my DNA, my spiritual DNA that I put inside you. And if you think about it, you know, um, when Jesus was conceived with Mary, it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed her. He was the spiritual DNA that came and joined with her natural DNA so that God could come to earth. There's something very um, key about this idea of the Holy Spirit being a seed, and you'll see that in further scripture. Um, even at the beginning of the world, it was the Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis, and he was the one that translated God's ideas into natural reality. So he is the DNA. He brings um, God's essence and brings it into being in the natural world. And so all the scriptures that talk about us being a new creation, um, we are born again. There's all this language that talks about how we are actually created new beings. And if you think of the Holy Spirit as spiritual DNA, joining with our spirit, we are becoming a new spiritual being with God's DNA. And what does that make us? That not only makes us children of God, but it makes us natives of heaven. Okay, we are now born of the inheritance and the genetics, <laughs> the spiritual genetics of the heavenly realms. And so now we can step into the world not as immigrants, not as outsiders trying to be insiders. We step into the world as citizens of heaven, born of heaven. So next I want to read Romans 8, 12 to 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the, the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery that returns you to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit is what testifies that we are God's children. So what does heaven look like? What is this culture that we are bringing? Obviously, the whole gospel is heaven's culture, and you can see it in how Jesus interacts in the world. But I just wanted to read Luke 1, 76 to 79, because this is the prayer that Zechariah prays. Um, about He speaks first about his son John, and then he speaks about the one that John will be prophesying about. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. 
because of the tender mercy of our God by which the dawn will visit us from on high to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And later Jesus himself in Luke 4.18, the very famous verses, which I'll paraphrase, he says, I am anointed to preach good news to the poor, to bring liberty to captives, sight to the blind, release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so we are in a world where we feel that everything is countercultural to heaven. How do, we, how do we bring these things that seem like these huge concepts, you know, knowledge of salvation, what does that mean? What does forgiveness mean? And the thing about the Holy Spirit is that he longs for that culture to be birthed in the world around us, in our one-on-one -on -one dealings, in our workplace, in our home. And we're living in a, in a world that is tattered and torn. And it can feel like a heavy burden to try and carry the gospel and to try and see people's lives change. And to, you know, pe some people have this huge burden for nations. And you think, how can I see change in this nation that is so broken? But the amazing thing about having Holy Spirit inside us is that it's his deepest desire to bring this culture to earth. And it's not just about, well, we want it here and now, but he's, he wants to draw every person to be his child. Because ultimately, he wants us all to live in heaven. And that is why um, in 2 Corinthians, we read about our our tent. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Now, we, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 8. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is dismantled, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. For in this tent we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. So while we are in this tent, we groan under our burdens because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed, so that our mortality may be swallowed up by life. And God has prepared us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a pledge of what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident then and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And so when our spiritual DNA is God's DNA, then we aren't at home here. And that can sometimes feel hard um, because the earth isn't our home, and even our bodies are not our home. This talks about how our bodies are a tent. And I really love this because sometimes our bodies can really just be annoying, <laughs> especially as you get older. <laughs> um, I think that we wish that when we became Christians, we would just, like, everything would be healed, and there'd be no more suffering or pain, and we want it now. 
And the danger of that is that when we are at home in our body, we are away from the Lord. Because ultimately our DNA is God's DNA. We are not designed anymore to be at home here. And so I want to challenge you tonight um, because this, this kind of can cause some wrestling, and you see it in Corinthians, um, how Paul was wrestling with being in this body that was kind of, he was struggling. He, you know, we know he had a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it was, but um, he struggled. He went through a lot of pain and suffering in his ministry. Um, and we read of his um, difficulty with the promise that, that God had given him, what he was preaching, you know, the, the preaching of the good news that Jesus came to set you free. He came to, um, to bring healing, to bring sight to the blind. And yet, and yet it's not complete. And um, I just love this idea of the tent because you know how when you live in a house, the longer you live in it, the more it reflects your life, right? So when you visit grandma, who's lived in her house for 50 years, there is a lot of stuff. <laughs> Except if you have a minimalist grandma like my mom, who just throws everything away all the time. I'm like, mom, don't throw that away. <laughs> like, my kids might like that or something. She's like, who needs it? Just throw it away. And it's like the family silver. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> Who's going to polish it, she says. <laughs> I'm like, I'll polish it. So, but most grandmas, I think, have like a lot of stuff in their houses. I have a lot of stuff in my house. It's a constant struggle. And it's good because it's a reflection of my life, right? There's special things in there. There's also stuff that's not so special, like the fact that the door's falling off because the rain got in. And now the house is like over 150 years old. And we're going to have to pull the whole wall off and put a new wall on. Um, things fall apart as they get older. And our bodies are like that too, you know? We tend to accumulate a life's worth of stuff. And if you have lived 30 years of, you know, drinking pop every day on the way to work, you will probably have that baggage in your body, right? Um, if you have lived a very stressful life, you are gonna have that baggage in your body. If you have had trauma, um, if you've had illness, all of those things affect the tent that we're in. And that's why God wants us to know you're in a tent. This isn't permanent. You can make your tent beautiful, right? We have God's DNA in us. And so expect your body to also reflect him. And I, you know, sometimes I say God will do a major renovation sometimes. And so you might go for prayer and he heals you of an illness. And you're like, yes, God pulled out the bathroom and put in a new one. <laughs> but that is, that's, you know, he'll do that now and again. But it doesn't mean he's built us a whole brand new house here because we don't, we're not at home here. He will help you to make your house, your tent here beautiful. And sometimes I picture the, these tents that you see on movies about um, the, the, in the, ancient Middle East, where the, the sheiks would have temp, you know, the tents, um, huge tent cities with 
beautiful rugs and gold and hangings. Do you know what I mean? And then they would pack it all up and move along with the camels and put it all out again. And those tents would, I mean, people were amazed when they visited those tents. They weren't, you know, tatty. <laughs> they were incredible. But they were still tents and they weren't permanent. And they were designed that way. They needed to be that way. Our bodies are designed to be a tent because we're not at home here. We are citizens of heaven. And so I just wanted to challenge us tonight. Um, this is something that we live with for our whole life, this being in this tension, having God's DNA inside of us, the Holy Spirit who makes us a child of God. That means that we are not... Um, pretenders. We're not people who've learned about heaven, learned the language, and now we're trying to convince other people it's a great place, but actually we don't really belong there. That's not who we are. We are people who are now natives of heaven, and we speak, God teaches us the language. You know, when you've been away from your home country for quite a long time, like Nicholas and I have, we've, I think it's been almost 20 years since we've lived full-time in South Africa. And um, you start to forget little things, you know? But it's amazing how you go back and you suddenly, it's like, oh, I'm home again. I don't have to think anymore. Have any of you tried learning a second language and then trying to think in the second language? <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard. <laughs> and, you know, so we're made citizens of heaven, but that doesn't mean that we're suddenly, oh, okay, it's like I've been there all along. We're in the habits of worldly living, right? We're in the habits of our host country. <laughs> and, and God invites us to come every day, and he, wants, he says, let me teach you what it's like to be a citizen of heaven again. The place that you were born. You were born in heaven with me when you were filled with the Spirit. And I'll slowly teach you how to get rid of those habits, those old habits from, from earthly living. And that, it's that that comes out of us, the culture of heaven, that we grow in this relationship with our Father. That is what convinces other people that heaven's a good place to be a citizen of. Just like a French person comes from France and will say, Croissant. The, the croissant, c'est le, le meilleur. I don't know what a pastry is in French. Anyone know? <laughs> Patisserie. That is correct. You see, I learned French and I've forgotten. <laughs> so um, the French will, say, will be the best person to convince you that France is a good place to go. So we need to be citizens of heaven so that it's just our pure love and enthusiasm for where we come from that brings people in. And they say, oh, I want to be a part of that. Can I visit? Can you tell me about it? That's a natural passion that just comes out. So the challenge, that's the, the ch one challenge is live like you're citizens of heaven. Every day you've got to connect with the Lord and say, Lord, put your DNA Grow it in me. Let it, you know, fill up who I am. And then the second thing is, are you treating your body like it's your, your home, your house? 
like it's a mansion. <laughs> what I mean by that is it can be very easy in our culture to do the most that we can to make our bodies um, earth perfect is what I want to say, how I want to call it. Do you know what I mean by earth perfect? It's what you see on social media. You need to look a certain way. Um, you need to f eat a certain way. There's lots of good stuff in that. There's lots of good teaching. But if it's coming from a place in your heart of, I want my body to be earth perfect, and not coming from a place of, my body is a tent. Lord, decorate it with heaven. <laughs> What does that look like? What is, it, what is the difference between living in a world where you want your body to reflect what the world thinks the best body can be? Or do you want to be, Lord, make my body reflect your DNA? And you know, what will come out of that will be, I'm sure, many healthy things. Many things that medically are healthy, right? Many things that are, in the world's eyes, beautiful. But it will be God's DNA in you, and it'll be so unique, and it'll have such an attractiveness, not to your body itself, but to God in you. And that's what he wants, because he did create your body. And you know, your body, he's turning it into something that feels like home, so that when you get to heaven, and you get your spiritual body, which scripture says we will get, and it is a mansion, it's a, it's a spirit home, You'll feel at home there. Why? Because God's been teaching you what it feels like to be at home. So if you're at home in your body as God has created it to be, as his DNA is, when you get to heaven, you'll be fully at home. You'll recognize it. You'll say, oh, I've come home, and wow, this is great. It has real walls. <laughs> but it'll still look like you, right? So... Uh, in our bodies, we want the beauty that comes out of them to be God's DNA reflected in our tent. And I think that that can also really help when things go wrong in our body because um, it, that can be hard, especially in a culture where we do pray for healing, you know? And God does want to bring healing, but you know, he doesn't bring full healing here. Because if he did, if he uh, allowed us to have a, a house here, then we would not be at home in heaven. As the scripture said, if you are at home in this tent, you are away from the Lord. And that isn't the worst thing that we can have. So I think that's it, guys. Two little ideas. Um, and I'm just going to pray for us, and then I'll let Giselle finish off. Is that okay? Okay. So, Father, I just thank you so much that you haven't left us as outsiders trying to be insiders, but that you adopted us into your family. And not only that, that but then you put your DNA, your Holy Spirit inside us. Father, thank you that we are born again of the Spirit. And Lord, we know that you continue to fill us throughout our lives with your spirit, that you do so many things in our lives. Not just 
getting rid of the old stuff, the, the clutter that's built up over the years of life, but also doing major renovations in us. And so, Lord, tonight we submit again to the touch of your spirit, the work of your spirit in our hearts and in our bodies, to the renewing of our minds. We pray, Lord, that the beauty that you have designed for us will shine out of us and will show others around us this is what it's like to be born of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.